This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Dragnet is perhaps the most famous and influential police procedural drama in media history. The series gave audience members a feel for the boredom and drudgery, as well as the danger and heroism of police work. Dragnet earned praise for improving the public opinion of police officers. Actor and producer Jack Webb's aim in Dragnet were for realism and unpretentious acting, and he achieved both goals. The show's cultural impact is such that, after five decades, elements of Dragnet are familiar to those who have never even seen or heard the program. The ominous four-note introduction to the brass and timpani theme music, and titled Danger Ahead, composed by Walter Schumann, is instantly recognizable. The radio series was the first entry in the Dragnet media franchise, encompassing film, television, books, and comics. And here's an episode first aired in 1950. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to robbery detail. Two armed bandits have robbed a large jewelry store in your city. One of the suspects escapes. One is apprehended. He's identified as a friend of yours. Your job, send him to prison. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, February 8th. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way over from the city hall, and it was 8.35 p.m. when I got to the second floor of the Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Treatment room. Joe, hi. Hi, Doc. Ben, how's it going? Okay. It hurt for a while. Doc gave me an injection. Six of a grain of morphine, Novocaine injection. Bullet still on your shoulder? Doc's about ready to take it out. As soon as I get the wound cleaned, here's the soap and water nurse. Alcohol sponge, please. How's it look, Doctor? There's the x-ray, shallow penetrating wound in the deltoid area. Slubs, mm-hmm. larger than the soft tissue right here. Oh, yeah. No bone involvement. Okay, the bullet was spent. That's good. Feel okay? Sure. Nurse, methylate applicators, please. All right. Let's see now. 
Where'd you leave Tyler, Joe? Interrogation room. Reynolds and Thompson are with him. Let me have the probe, nurse. Yeah. Feel anything, Romero? No. That's it. You hear that? Hear what? Located the slug with the probe. Oh. Nurse, close it. Thanks. Here we go. Hold it steady. You call your wife? No, she don't know where I... Here it is, boys. On the market for evidence? Yeah, give it to me, will you? I will. Nurse, sterile saline solution. Here, get the woman. No sign of Tyler's partner, huh, Joe? Guy got me? No, not yet, no. Sterile dressings, please. How long did you know this, Tyler? Before he went wrong with me. I met him in the army. Helped him line up a job when he got out. It's too bad. Sure is funny. Making a friend of yours pulled an armed robbery. Must have surprised you, huh? Yeah, kind of. You want me to drive you home when the doc's finished, Jim? Let's go back to the office and talk to Tyler first. Okay. That all right, Doc? No. You're staying right here, Romero, till tomorrow morning. If you haven't got a temperature by then, I might release it. Well, it's only a flesh wound, Doc. I feel all right. I'm not taking any chances with gunshot wounds. If infection set in and you were laid up, I'd have the pension committee to answer to. You're staying here. Sounds like an order. It is. You can pick him up in the PNF ward tomorrow morning. Okay. You gonna need anything, Ben? Yeah. A phone to tell my wife I won't be home for dinner. His name was Max Tyler, white, male American, age 32. Dark hair, brown eyes, medium build, married, father of twin boys. He was a friend of mine. We served together in the Army overseas, and when the war finished, I came back to my job on the force, and Max went back to his old job. It didn't fit him anymore. He stopped working and started drinking. His wife didn't help much. Max started with small trouble, but it grew fast. On the afternoon of February the 8th, Tuesday, Ben and I surprised two men holding up a Main Street jewelry shop. Shots were exchanged, and Ben received a flesh wound in the shoulder. One of the hold-up men escaped. The other one was apprehended. His name was Max Tyler. Hi, Larry. Hi, Joe. Glad you got here. Tyler says he won't talk to anybody but you. Okay, boy. Thanks for standing by. Sure. I'll be outside if you need anything. Max. Joe. You're in deep this time. You shot a cop. I didn't. This guy was with me. I didn't fire once. You were in on the job. Yeah. Then don't expect presents. I don't expect anything, Joe. Glad you came back. I, I don't want to talk to those other cops. I work in the same department they do. Same job. Well, it's easier to talk to you. What's your story? I was crazy to try it. No alibis, Joe, but I, I didn't know what I was doing. Believe me, I, I just didn't realize. I won't buy it, Max. You told me the same thing 14 months ago when they picked you up for those bum checks you were passing. Sure, I hung some paper, but I'm no hood, Joe. You know that. Uh, I was drinking. I needed dough for Dorothy and the kids. You gotta believe me. I need a break. You said that before, too. I went to bat for you. Got off with six months and three years probation. Now you turn up with another caper. I know, Joe. I know. I'm sorry. You're sorry once, Max, and it works. But one free ride's enough for anybody. Now that's it. Did I say I wanted that kind of a break? I'll, I'll serve my time, Joe. I'll serve every day I owe. I mean, what can you tell me you couldn't have told the other cops? I want to ask you a favor. Yeah? I know you're going to hook me on this. So while I'm doing my time, Dorothy and the kids are staying with relatives out in Eaglewood. Just keep an eye on them, you know, Joe. I I don't mean dough. Dorothy can work with... Kind of watch out for them, huh? Give them a break, Joe. It's not their fault. You do it, Joe? Yeah. Sure, I'll take care of it. You do something for me. Anything you want, guy. 
Let's have the straight story. Who was the guy with you on that holdup this afternoon? Cresta, George Cresta, you know him. Out of Folsom, short guy, black hair? Yeah, yeah, he's got a room above the Red Owl Bar down on East 3rd near Broadway. That's where he hangs out. Where can we find Cresta now? Oh, maybe there, I don't know. I'll give you a list of the places he goes. Some of his friends I've met. He sure wrote me in. Said there wasn't going to be any rough stuff. You were carrying an S&W 38? Sure, sure. When they got outside the jewelry shop, Krista jammed the gun in my hand. I had to put it away, get it out of sight. Believe me, Joe, he roped me into this. It sounds like an alibi. No, This but is I your could... second time around, Max. It sounds like one. Okay, I got nothing coming. Don't forget about Dorothy and the kids. Huh? I promised you. Now, you want to give me a full statement on the holdup now? Anything you say, Joe. I'll call for a stenographer. Joe. Yeah. I'm sorry. I am. I believe you. You got the feeling too late, that's all. Max Tyler was arraigned in municipal court two days later. Bail was set at $10,000. Three days after that came his preliminary hearing in municipal court. At his arraignment in superior court, five weeks after he'd been apprehended, Tyler entered a plea of not guilty. A date was set for his trial in superior court. Meantime, the hunt for George Cresta, Max's accomplice, went on. There wasn't a sign of him. Our informants had no lead on him, and the all-points bulletin containing all the information we had on Cresta brought in nothing. On Monday, March 22nd, the trial of Max Tyler was held in Superior Court. Ben and I were subpoenaed to appear. The victim of the holdup, the jewelry store manager, was the first to testify. He was questioned by both the prosecutor and the counsel for the defense. He left the stand at 11.25 a.m. If it please, Your Honor. Counsel for the defense. Before the next witness testifies, I'd like permission to approach the bench. Permission granted. Counsel for prosecution may also approach wonder what that's all about, Joe. Something's up. Hello. Judge is shaking his head. Public defender's going back to the counsel's table. Counsel for the defense. Your Honor, it's my client's desire to change his plea to guilty. Defendant rise and face the court. Max Tyler. Is that your true name? Yes, Your Honor. On the 12th day of March of this year, in Superior Court, Department 83, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California, you have heretofore been arraigned on the charge of robbery in the first degree. At that time, you pled not guilty to the charge in question. Is it now your desire to change that plea? Yes, sir, it is. You've reached this decision of your own free will? Yes, I have. There's been no force employed, no promise of gratuity or reward to induce you to reach this decision? No, sir. Counsel for the prosecution. Yes, Your Honor. Max Tyler, on the 12th day of March of this year in Superior Court, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California, you are arraigned on the charge of robbery in the first degree. At that time, you entered a plea as set forth in this information. How do you now plead? Guilty or not guilty? Guilty. Is it stipulated that at the time of the commission of the robbery, the defendant was armed with a deadly weapon to wit a revolver? So stipulated. Court to fix a degree of robbery, robbery first degree. Your Honor, in the interest of justice, the people move to dismiss count two, assault with a deadly weapon. At this time, Your Honor, the defendant waives time for sentencing and asks that he be sentenced immediately. Just a moment. <coughs> Max Tyler, it's the judgment of this court that on the 8th day of February of this year, you did enter the premises at 23108 East Main Street in the city. And there did attempt the felonious taking of personal property in the possession of another from his person in immediate presence and against his will. 
Further, said attempt was made while you were armed with a dangerous and deadly weapon. Now, Sarah, this court finds you guilty of robbery in the first degree. Count two is dismissed. Does it, Joe? Decision of this court that you be returned to the county jail. The sheriff will transfer you to the state penitentiary where you'll serve the sentence as prescribed by law. Court possesses the key message. Hey, Joe. Miss Tyler over there, she's taking it pretty hard. Come on, we better go see her. Hello, Dorothy. I love him, Joe. What am I going to do without him? Children. I'll give it to you straight, Dorothy. You didn't do much to keep Max out of this. You drank right along with him. You don't Joe, deserve those kids. That's my opinion. Please, I know it. Don't make it any harder. Don't. I'll do anything I can for the kids, Dorothy. That's all. What am I going to do without him? I can't be all alone without Max. It's not right. It's not right. Neither is armed robbery. Goodbye, Dorothy. Before the end of March, Max Tyler was delivered to San Quentin State Penitentiary where he started serving his term. His wife, Dorothy Tyler, got a job as a telephone operator. She and her children continued living with her relatives down in Inglewood. I helped them out whenever I could. Six months went by. Every two weeks, faithfully, Tyler wrote me a letter from prison. I answered most of them. While Ben and I worked on other jobs, the search for George Cresta went on. We failed to uncover a single lead. Ten months passed. Tuesday, January 16th, 1949, 4 p.m. I checked in for work as usual. Hi, Joe. Cold out, huh? Yeah. Did you pick up the mail? Mm Mm-hmm. There's a letter in your box from San Quentin. Tyler, huh? How's he doing, anyway? Good. Clean record. Got himself a pretty fair job in the prison library. Yeah. I talked to the warden up there. Says Tyler ought to be eligible for parole in about a year if he keeps his nose clean. You going to bat for Tyler again? I don't know. See what happens. How can you see anything in that guy? He's giving you nothing but trouble. Oh, a lot of people are giving him the same. Maybe that explains it. Not for me, it doesn't. I wouldn't trust him with dirty laundry. I get it. Robbery Friday. Joe, this is Dorothy Tyler. I got to talk to you. Yeah, Dorothy, what's the matter? I found Cresta. I saw him. What? George Cresta. I know where he is. I saw him downtown. I followed him to his place. You sure it was him? I'm positive. He's staying at 134 Jesse Street. It's a rooming house just off Alameda. 134 Here we are, number 11. All right, stand clear. I'll try the door. Mm-hmm. It's open. Yeah. Joe, have a look. He's asleep. He's passed out. Come on, slip the cuffs on him. That was easy. Yeah. All right, I got his gun. He's been drinking, all right. He'll have a big hangover. He'll have a long time to get over it. George Cresta was booked at county jail on suspicion of robbery. Two months and three weeks later in Superior Court, he was tried and convicted of assault with a deadly weapon and first-degree robbery and sentenced to the state penitentiary. The day after Cresta was sentenced, I was called to the office of Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. Friday, this Max Tyler is coming up for parole in a couple of months. He's a friend of yours, isn't he? That's right, in a way. You've been writing letters to the warden. You've talked to the parole board about him. Understand you're helping on his kids. A few presents. They haven't had much of a break. They're just youngsters. 
You're working hard to get Tyler's parole. You think he's worth it? Well, I was off both him and his wife, and, and then she gave us that tip about Cresta, and Tyler's got such a good record up at Q, I figured they'd earned another chance. You're sticking your chin out, Joe, helping a con to get a parole. I think you'll realize that. Well, I believe he's a good risk now, Chief. He's pretty weak in some things. He needs direction, that's all. His wife's getting better. She might help more than she did. I hope both of them are worth it. If anything happens, I know I'm going to get it from all sides. You really think some men deserve another chance, don't you? Yes, sir, I do. I wouldn't want you working for me if you didn't. Two more weeks went by. Tuesday, April the 19th. Ben came down with a bad cold and had to lay off work. At the same time, a new gang started a hold-up campaign among the liquor stores out in the Wilshire District. A new rash of armed robberies broke out in the central area. It was an attempted bank robbery. It was a bad week. Ben got back to work on Saturday. Rough time, huh, Joe? Busy, yeah. Did you beat that cold all right? Sure, I feel much better. Doctor gave me some new medicine. Works good. Oh, that's fine. Maybe I'll knock off early tonight if nothing's doing. That's a good idea. Shouldn't be Joe, too much tonight. Tell the type for you. Just came in. Oh, thanks, Larry. Sure. What's the matter, Joe? What is it? Max Tyler. He broke out of prison this morning. You are listening to Dragnet, authentic stories of your police force in action. In the course of his career, the police officer has afforded two diverse views of the criminal. At first, the rookie cop is taught to distrust the criminal at every turn, without exception. He's schooled in the thousand and one ways in which the criminal operates, his psychology, his mode of operation. Then, when he's thoroughly acquainted with the methods of the criminal and how best to detect them, the police officer starts to learn the most difficult lesson of all. How to distinguish between the confirmed criminal and the lawbreaker, in whom there is hope of rehabilitation. After nine and a half years of police work, my first experiment in this field was with Max Tyler. I'd given him two chances to prove himself, and he'd lost on both of them. So did I. Two months before his parole hearing, which might have given him his freedom, Max Tyler had suddenly decided to escape. How he figured it, I didn't know, but it was my job to find him. At five o'clock that afternoon, Ben and I met in the chief of detectives' office. Two officers, Holland and Grayson, from the state adult authority, escape detail were there. How did Tyler manage his escape, Grayson? Same old story. They figured they could trust him up there. He had a good job on the prison farm. They trusted him. When did they find out he was gone? On the early morning count. Have you checked his relatives out in Inglewood yet? Yeah, we have. We've got the home staked out. We're covering all the places we figure he might go. How about Mrs. Tyler? You get in touch with her, Friday? The relatives told us that she's on a weekend vacation with the two kids, staying with friends down at Laguna Beach. We got a call in to them. Should be hearing from them soon. I understand Tyler's a friend of yours, Friday. He was ready for parole. Yeah. I was trying to help it along. I thought the guy deserved a break. He didn't need you, Joe. He made his own. Well, he was feeling bad. You weren't the only one fooled, Friday. He had the prison officials buffaloed, too. Yeah, I know. I helped convince them. You got any leads on Tyler at all, Grayson? I mean, from the time he broke prison? Pretty strange. They traced him as far as Stockton, and then they lost the trail completely. The Stockton police in on the search? Yeah, sure. Funny. The guy has no money, no car we know of, no change of clothes. You figure he's getting help from somebody? Could be. Excuse me a minute. Brown speaking. Oh, just a moment. You, Friday. Oh, thank you. Friday. Yeah. When? Mm-hmm. Where? Oh, just a minute. Will you hold on, please? It's the Tyler's friends down at Laguna Beach. Mrs. Tyler there? No, she called him last night about 7 o'clock, told him she'd changed her plan. She wasn't coming. She told him where she was going? She wanted to know which highway would take her to Stockton. 
We told the Tyler's friends in Laguna Beach to contact us immediately if they heard from either Mr. or Mrs. Tyler. We got out an APB on Dorothy Tyler, and then we drove out to interview her relatives in Inglewood. They told us that Mrs. Tyler had the two children with her. She had left their house at 6 p.m. the night before by taxi. As far as they knew, she didn't own a car. We talked with some of her friends in the neighborhood. The only thing they could tell us was that she had not borrowed a car from any of them. We drove down to the telephone exchange where she was employed as an operator, and we spoke with a manager, Mr. Ralph Cartwright. I'm sorry, gentlemen. This is Mrs. Tyler's night off. Is there something I can help you with? When is Miss Tyler due back to work, Mr. Cartwright? Well, she's working the uh, 10 to 7 starting tomorrow, due in at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. We understand that she's on a weekend vacation, huh? Yes. You see, today was payday, so she asked me if she could have her check ahead of time. Said she had to have the money for the weekend. Did you give her the check? Oh, my, no. I couldn't give her the check ahead of time. But I did do her a favor, just to help her over the weekend. What was that? I loaned her my car. We got a complete description of the car together with a license number and called the office. The information was broadcast to all units throughout the city and teletyped to all points in the state. Chief of Detectives Thad Brown ordered an immediate stakeout on the telephone exchange where Mrs. Tyler was employed. The stakeout at the home of Inglewood continued. Another day passed. We checked with the bank where Mrs. Tyler maintained her account. It was 10.25 a.m. when we got back to robbery detail. Gentlemen, what'd you find out? Miss Tyler closed her account three days ago, withdrew all her savings, $46.55. I'm not going to go far on that. Any word about that car she borrowed? Teletype came in about an hour ago. They found it just outside Santa Barbara, abandoned. Anyone see the Tylers? No reports. I wonder how those poor kids are making out. He must be crazy, and his wife, too. If she was going to help him pull an escape, why'd she have to drag the kids along? That's the way some parents figure, Friday. They owe their children nothing. The children owe them everything. Call for you, Friday. Date on two. Oh, thanks, Larry. Friday. This is Hopkins, Friday, on stakeout, the phone exchange. Yeah, Bert. Tyler woman came for a check. We got her. Dorothy Tyler was brought into the city hall, where there was one of her children. He was delivered to the juvenile authorities for the time being. Mrs. Tyler was brought to the interrogation room. She refused to admit anything to the officers from the adult authority. She said she wanted to talk to me. I went in. She threw her arms around me and started crying. I'm after him as much as they are, maybe more. Where is he? I can't tell you. Why'd you do it, Dorothy? Why? Oh, you know why, Joe. You know why I had to see him. I had to be with Max. It's a bum deal. You traded days for years. They can't get him. If I don't tell him where he is, they won't find him. They'll find him. He's got to eat. So do you and the kids. He has to go to work, and working with a gun is all he knows. He'll leave a trail. We'll find him. Children. What have they done to the children? Where's Jimmy? They're taking care of him. That's more than you did. Where's your other boy, Vance? Max. Max has him. That's fine. You and Max ought to be real proud of yourselves. I had to see him. You know that. I had to see Max. Has he got a gun? Has he? Has he used it? No. He just thought he might need it. He hasn't hurt anyone. I swear it. You helped him escape, is that right? You helped him. He needed help. I met him at San Rafael. We drove all night. He didn't hurt anyone, Joe. He hasn't hurt anyone. Where is he now? Where is he? All right, Dorothy, we'll find him. Joe, if I tell you, if 
I tell you. Will you go alone? I can show you the way. Will you go alone? Yeah. All right. I'll take you to him, Joe. I trust you. Yeah, I trusted him once, too. 5 p.m. Monday, April 25th. Dorothy, Tyler, Ben, and I got in the car and headed north for the coast town of Santa Maria. Acting under orders of Chief of Detectives Thad Brown, Larry Thompson from Robbery Detail followed in another car. Holland and Grayson from the State Adult Authority were with him. It was ten minutes past eight when we drove through the town of Santa Maria. Just outside the city, Dorothy Tyler directed us to turn off onto a dirt road. We drove about two miles. She told us to pull up. How's that feel? Shacked by those trees. Lonely out here. I'll go with you, Joe. Maybe Max won't understand. Oh, you stay here. Joe, that car. The car stopped here. It's cops, Dorothy. It had to be. They won't shoot unless Max does. But you promised. You said you'd go alone. I'll go alone. Friday? Hello, Grayson. Where is he? She tell you? That shack over there across the field by that clump of trees. He's got one of the kids with him, that right? Yeah. He won't be any trouble. He's armed. The con's up at Quentin. Say he won't be taken alive. They say he'll shoot it out. They talk a lot. Better let us take him. You're not getting paid to do for this one. I'll take him alone. I made a promise. That guy in the shack's in the habit of breaking promises. I keep mine. Keep an eye on Miss Tyler, will you, Ben? Thompson's watching her. I'm coming with you. I told her I'd go alone. There's two doors, front and back. Which one are you going in? Front. I'll be around back. Careful, Jim. Yeah. I'll be right back, Grayson. I started to cross the field. Shack was about a hundred yards from the road. The field was uncultivated, and I wasn't sure of my footing. I stumbled over a tree stump. Halfway across the field, the lights in the shack went out. Who's that? Who is it? It's me, Max. Joe Friday. On, open up. All right, Max. Why the gun, Joe? I never thought you'd take me with a gun. I never thought I'd have to kick down a door to get you. You've changed a lot, Max. How'd you find me, Dorothy? Tell you? Where is she? Outside. Your boy over there, Vance. He's sleeping. He's okay. Put out your hands. Put out your hands. Oh. Sorry, Joe. Yeah. You, you've been good to us. I won't try to explain. Neither will I, Max. Come on. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On June 2nd, trial was held in Superior Court, city and county of Marin, state of California. Max Tyler pleaded guilty to the charge of escape and was sentenced to the term as prescribed by law. He was returned to San Quentin and then transferred to Folsom Penitentiary, where he is now serving his sentence. 
You have just heard Dragnet, a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of Acting Chief of Police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Dragnet honors the state of California and the men of the California Highway Patrol, another of America's outstanding law enforcement agencies. One of these men, Highway Patrol Commissioner Clifford E. Peterson, outstanding administrator and educator in the field of law enforcement, dedicates his life to making yours more secure. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet from Los Angeles. Be sure to hear Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman in the Halls of Ivy starting tomorrow on NBC. Stay tuned for the Aldrich family next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 at 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Is Henry Eldridge a man or a mouse? Well, maybe we'll find out when we catch this 1952 episode of The Eldridge Family. Henry! Henry Eldridge! Coming, Mother! Yes, it's The Eldridge Family, written by Clifford Goldsmith. There's an old saying that claims you're only young once. But as a matter of fact, you can be young more than once. And the best way of doing that is to share the misadventures of a typical boy like Henry Aldrich. He'll take you right back to your own teenage days. The scene is the living room of Nancy Adams, one of Henry's favorite classmates. And the time is evening. Nancy, tell me honestly, what is it you like about Bill Turner? Oh, I don't know, Henry. I just like him. Don't you? Well, sure, he's all right. If you like athletes. What's the matter with athletes? Nothing. Except you're so athletic. Well, I mean, well, well, to hear Bill Turner talk, you think he was Joe DiMaggio, the Notre Dame football team, and gorgeous George, all rolled into one. That's so loud, Henry. He might hear you. Who would he hear me? He's out in the front hall. And I like him, only... Frankly, is there any way of getting rid of him? You mean you don't like him? Well, sure, I'm crazy about him, only... Hey, Nancy! Gee whiz. Nancy, did I ever tell you about the time I dove off the top of the boathouse? Oh, Bill, I didn't even know anybody could climb up that high. Oh, it's easy. And you know that flagpole down at the end of the lake? Yes. I dove off that once, too. Nancy, how's your mother? Oh, she's better, Henry. She just strained her back a little. Boy, was that some luck I had in the game Saturday. You remember when those three guys tackled me and I carried them right across the goal for a touchdown? Oh, that was just wonderful, Bill. I don't see how you stood up. Nancy, what kind of a television set is this? I don't know. Hey, Henry, could you or Bill open this window a little, please? Sure, why not? Oh, wait a minute, Henry. I'll open it. Well, that's all right, Bill. I've got it practically... Practically... <laughs> is it stuck, Henry? No, it isn't stuck. I just... <clears throat> Stand back, please, Bill. How am I in the way? I want to get some leverage. <clears throat> Here, Henry, let me show you how to open it. Now, look out, Bill. All I have to do is... <clears throat> Nancy, would you mind if I push this sofa away? No, Henry. Well, well, don't get up. I'll push you along. Mm. Along. Mm. Well, maybe if you just got up for a second, Nancy. Mm. Well, never mind the sofa. I'll just... She was who opened that window? I did. <laughs> you know, I thought I had it started. I just should have kept at it. Anything else you want done, Nancy? 
Well, there's some ginger ale out in the kitchen if one of you wants to... Oh, gee whiz, I'll get it for you, Nancy. You stay where you are, Bill. You sure you don't need me help lifting the bottles? You'll find everything out there on a tray, Henry. All you have to do is put some ice in the glasses. I'll be right back. Nancy, isn't there any way of getting rid of him? This evening? Sure. Bill, Henry Aldrich is one of the nice... Nancy, I'm not saying he isn't. Only, frankly... Frankly what? Well, three's a crowd. And frankly, I have crowds cheering for me every time I go out on the field. I want to be alone. Excuse me, Nancy, but is there any special way of getting your ice trays loose? Well, my mother never has any trouble, Henry. All she does is pull and they come right out. That's funny. I'll take another crack at it. Nice guy. I'd like to see him come out for football practice some afternoon. Bill, what did I tell you about sympathy and understanding? Oh, I understand, Henry. That's why I have no sympathy for him. Ah, but forget about him. What about that dance Friday night? What about it? Well, what time should I... What time should I... You know, he's going to wreck your refrigerator. <laughs> what time should I call for you? Oh, about... Father have a hammer I could use with a screwdriver, or a small crowbar would be even better. Henry, what's that all over your suit? It's well, you see, I was aiming for the ice cubes, but was your mother planning to have tomato juice for dinner? <laughs> There's a freshly opened can in the ice box. Oh my goodness! Of course, if they're going out for dinner, it'll keep till tomorrow's lunch. Out of the way, Henry! I'll get the ice out. Now wait a second, Bill. You'll need something to loosen it with. What's the matter with my hands? Some guys sure love to brag. Why, if Bill Turner... Who? Hey, who put butter on the floor? I just took it out so I could get better leverage. Nancy, will one tray of ice be enough? Gee, did I loosen it that much? Nancy, I don't think you'll feel the same way about you-know-who once you get a look at your mother's kitchen. I think I better be going. Oh, Henry, do you have to? Well, I've got a lot of homework to do, and I think I better. Don't you? Well, if you have to. I, uh... I had a very swell evening, though. Oh, I'm awfully glad, Henry. Well, so long. You really have to go. I think I better. Aldrich, would you mind closing that door? The coach told me to keep out of drafts. Oh, oh, sure. I, I didn't realize I was keeping the door open. What time should I call for you Friday evening? Friday evening? Well, sure, for the dance. Henry, I didn't promise to go with you, did I? Why, sure, why, sure. You didn't? Well, I don't see how I could have. I'm going with Bill. Oh. With Bill? Oh, I'm terribly sorry, Henry. I guess you must have misunderstood hey, me. Hey, what about that door? I'll, I'll walk you out to the porch. No, no you, you go back and have your ginger ale. I can find my way, all right. Well, I, I hope you understand, Henry. Oh, sure. You and Bill just go ahead and enjoy yourselves. <laughs> the toast, please? There you are, dear. Why didn't Henry go to the dance? Well, dear, that's what I don't know. Do you remember the other evening when he came home from Nancy Adams soaking wet? When? Last week, dear. A couple of nights before the dance. He walked into the house covered with tomato juice. And Sam Henry hasn't been himself since then. Did you have a talk with him? Yes, and all he'd say was he felt dancing was a waste of time. Mother! Uh, Mary, come in here and eat your breakfast. Mother, what's this letter all about? What letter? Why, it's the silliest thing I've ever seen. It 
must be for Father. May I see it, please? Who's it from, Sam? From the Lionel Strongford Institute of Physical Development, Incorporated. <laughs> Dear Mr. Ulrich, are you a man or a mouse? I knew all the time it wasn't for me. Yeah. No man can make his mark in the world. No man can inspire the love of a good woman unless he is willing to develop his inner potential strength in our 26-week course. Sam, what in the world is that? I don't know, Alice, but I'm fascinated. <laughs> we can give you a money-back guarantee if your chest expansion does not increase by at least two inches during the first six lessons. How many inches, Father? Keep quiet, Mary. That's just the first six lessons. <laughs> we also offer a shorter course for the busy executive, interested in only partial development. <laughs> Remember, decide now. Yours truly. Father, what's that? P.S. Reply by return mail and receive... Free, one genuine simulated nylon tape measure, especially designed <laughs> for checking your chest development. Here, when did you write for that? May I see the envelope, please? Father, it's addressed to Mr. Harold Aldrich. Who's he? I have no idea whether he's a man or a mouse. Well, put the letter back in the envelope, please. It's probably for Henry. Mother, why would he want to develop? I don't know, dear. And besides, it's none of our business. Please put it back in the envelope. Well, well, I think I'll walk to the office this morning. Why, Sam, you haven't walked to the office in six years. Well, of course I have. I walked a couple of times just this last summer. It made me feel great. I'll get your top coat for you, Father. A coat? A coat? Why would I want a coat? Well, I can at least get your hat. Goodbye, Alice. Goodbye. Goodbye, son. Goodbye. Mother, do you have any idea where my blue and white tie is? Your blue and white tie? No, dear. Now sit down and eat your breakfast. But, Mother, I've got to find it. There'll be plenty of time to find it after you've eaten. Turn around. What's the matter? I think you ought to have those shoulders on that coat taken in a little. Taken in, Mother? You just want to throw your money away? They'll be filled out in 26... I, I mean, before you know it. Henry, dear, please sit down. I want to ask you something. What about? What in the world is the trouble? The trouble? The trouble? Gee whiz, I don't know of any trouble. But you aren't yourself, dear, and when anyone speaks to you, you're way up in the air. Well, I'm not up in the air, Mother. I, I may be a little upset because I can't find my blue and white tie, but otherwise I feel fine. Then why not eat your breakfast? I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. How's Nancy Adams these days? Nancy Adams? Mother. Well, all I asked is, how is she? You see this book here, Mother? You see this book? Yes. Well, that gives you an idea of what little interest I have in Nancy Adams. What about the book? I borrowed it from her two weeks ago. Well? I'm returning. Well, that's fine. I'm returning it. I'm returning it. But that's all. That's as far as I go. She asked me whether I'd like to keep it and finish it. I'll tell her I'm not even slightly interested. Well, that's fine, dear. Now, drink your milk. You know what else? What? That's all right. Never mind. But if her folks can't afford a better icebox than the one they have... She was you like Bill Turner. Bill Turner? I hardly know him. She is. He got a lot to learn. He just goes around... You know what he thinks? Henry, what's your ambition in life? My ambition, Mary? What do you mean? That's all. I just wondered whether you wanted to be a man or a mouse. <laughs> Mary, I haven't any time for small talk. Have you seen my blue and white tie? No, but I'd love to see your chest expansion. Now, Mary? <laughs> what I say, Mother? But, Mother, all I was going to ask him was if he was going to take the short course of the 26-week course. Uh, Mary, will you please give Henry that letter? A letter? I don't think it's for you, though, Henry. Mary, give me that letter. Are you Mr. Harold Aldrich? Mary, you come back with that. Do you realize that's United States mail? Mary? Mother, it says right on the envelope, may be open for inspection. Mary, if you don't give me that... <laughs> oh, we won't break anything. I'm just helping Henry develop. Yeah. 
Now, listen, Mary, you're only going to make me late for school. You want to take it with you and show it to Nancy Adams? Mary, if you breathe one word about this to her, I'll... Mary? Mary, come back down here with that. What are you writing, Henry? Henry! What are you doing? Homer, is there a class in this room next period? Sure. Henry, what are all those questions you're filling out? Nothing, Homer. Nothing important. It's, it's just some information I've got to send away. Could you measure my chest just once more, please? It's pretty hard with this ruler. Well... <laughs> well, just go around me real slow. It's, um... Exactly two and a quarter. Two and a quarter? Two and a quarter rulers. That's, uh, 27 inches. 27 inches? For my chest? Don't you think i better take off a half inch for where I went around the corner? <laughs> the only thing is, Homer, my thigh was 27, too. You mean my thigh is as big as my chest? It is. Boy, Homer, I don't want to mislead anyone. Listen, Henry, what is it you're sending for? Nothing, Homer. Gee whiz, why would I... Do you know whether Nancy Adams has a class here next period? Sure. I thought you were ignoring her. I am. That's why I'm waiting to return this book. When I hand it to her, it's going to end everything. Well, let me see that letter, just for a second, will you, Henry? Homer, don't you see what's printed right at the top of it? Strictly confidential. What does that question at the bottom mean? What question? Do you have flat feet? <laughs> now, listen, Homer, that just shows how your imagination works. Well, what did it say then? Keep quiet, Homer. Miss Watson just came into the room. Miss Watson? Well, boys, you certainly look busy. We, we are, Miss Watson. You working on your biology? Well... In a way, we are. Well, now, isn't that fine? You know we're going to start working on mice next week. We are? On mice? <laughs> yes, we're going to compare their development with that of man. What's that? Come on, Henry. That's the end of the period. There's a class coming in. Hello, Henry. What are you doing in here? Well, well, Nancy, I've been waiting. I've been, I've been filling out. I, I, I've been... Henry, you're getting ink all over yourself. I am? Here's a blotter. Um, well, Nancy, I, I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed this book. Oh, I'm awfully glad you returned it, Henry, because Bill Turner is anxious to get it. He is? Are you sure you're through with it? Oh, yeah. After all, even if I weren't through with it, naturally, if Bill wants the book... Where have you been for the last week? Just around. Just around every place. Hey, Henry, come on. You go ahead, Homer. I may be held up here a second. Why, please? Oh, you better go, Henry. I just wanted to tell you, though, how much I enjoyed your book. Henry Aldrich... Don't you have a class this period? Yes, Miss Watson. I'm on my way right this minute. Goodbye, Henry. Goodbye. Boy, is Nancy a good-looking girl, Henry. You think she's so good-looking? I think she's terrific. Well, the way I think of her, she's good-looking, but I wouldn't ever want to... Henry, wanna... let me have a look at that letter, will you? What letter? About your flat feet. Now, Homer, listen. <laughs> Homer. Homer, where is that letter? I haven't got it. Homer, I put it in this Latin book. I put it right here in the ablative absolute section. Well, don't look at me. I didn't even touch your letter. Do you suppose I put it in Nancy's book? You did? Well, why would she be interested in your flat feet? <laughs> oh, I didn't know I put them there. I mean, the letter there. I was just talking to her, and I may have just stuck it in there. Well, oh, I've got to get that letter. Why? I think I want a thing like that to be read publicly by Nancy. Well, you certainly can't get it now, Henry. Maybe they haven't started class yet. Well, I'm not going in with you. I don't want the whole class to look at me. Be quiet, Homer. I'm going back in and get that letter. 
Will you all get your pencils, please? I beg your pardon, Henry Aldrich. Is there something we can do for you? Why, uh, Miss Watson, I'm sorry to interrupt your lesson like this, but I just returned Nancy to a book. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, I mean, Nancy's desk has something in it I'd like to want. I mean, me. Well, is it anything you can't do without for the rest of the period? Well, yes, ma'am. I just have to have it. Well, if it won't take more than a second, you may go to her desk and get it. Thank you, Miss Watson. In the meantime, will all of you be copying what's written on the board here? <laughs> Nancy. Henry, what on earth is it you want? I'd like to borrow that book again. But Henry, it didn't have to come all the way back into class and embarrass me. But I just happened to remember. I, I haven't finished it. I thought you said you had finished. So did I, until I got out in the Henry, hall. Henry, will you hurry, please? Yes, Miss Watson. Sure, Henry. Thanks very much. Uh, Henry, may I ask what book that is? This book I just got from Nancy? Yes. Well, it's... It's just a book. What is the title? <laughs> Rita's Revenge. <laughs> and that is the book you were in so much of a hurry to get? Well, I'll tell you, it isn't the story I'm so anxious yeah, to get. the book, please. <laughs> the whole book? The whole book. <laughs> Couldn't I take just one look? Please don't open it. No? May I have it, please? Yes, Miss Watson. And I should like to see Nancy Adams immediately after class. Miss Watson, Henry, she didn't... will you please leave this classroom? Yes, Miss Watson. I'll go. <laughs> we'll come back to the Aldrich family in just a moment. Sundays on this station are really full of top radio shows. But I'd like to tell you about just one of them. Theater Guild on the Air. For seven seasons, the Theater Guild has been bringing you the brightest stars of Broadway and Hollywood and some of the world's greatest plays. Tonight, the comedy attraction is Ring Lardner's baseball story, Elmer the Great. Your stars are Eddie Bracken and Wanda Hendricks. Now, the play concerns Elma Kane, a pitcher with the best right arm in the three-eye league, but a brain which has failed to vibrate with a clear thought since birth. Now, Elmer refuses to leave Gentryville, Illinois, for the big league because he's in love with Nellie Poole, owner of the grocery where he drives the delivery wagon. But Nellie guesses his secret and fires Elmer. Well, from then on, it's all ring lard and a fun. So check your newspaper for broadcast times and tune to NBC tonight for Theater Guild on the air. You'll enjoy Elmer the Great. <laughs> And now, getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldridge. Henry has decided that he needs a course in physical development. And after filling out the rather intimate questions on the application blank, he discovers that he has left the blank in a book belonging to Nancy Adams. The scene opens in Henry's school at the close of a period. Listen, Henry, this will make two classes I've missed just because of you. Homer, all you have to do is just walk up to Miss Watson's desk there, pick up Nancy's book, and walk out with it. It's as easy as pie. Are you sure Miss Watson isn't in there? No one's in there. There isn't a soul in there now. You like pie. Why don't you go in and get it? <laughs> well, gee, Miss Homer, I was going to stand here in the doorway and keep watch for you. Well, if anyone does come along, Henry, give me a signal. Clear your throat. Sure, I'll, I'll sort of cough. Okay, I'll go. That's it. Just walk right up as though you own the place. <laughs> Which book is it? The one your hand is on. This isn't it. 
Sure it is. Isn't that book blue? Sure, but it's uh, the advanced essence of poetry. It must be there, Homer. Well, come here and show it to me. All right. Wait a second. I'll close the door part way. If it was here, it would be here. Homer, I'm almost positive Miss Watson didn't take it with her. All right, show it to me. Gee whiz, it's a book with a blue cover. A blue cover? Oh, this must be it. Yes, Miss Watson. Henry, someone's out in the hall. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Quick, Homer, Doc, have you got it? Where are we, Doc? Get down here beside her desk. Did they come in, Henry? No, they just closed the door. Well, come on, let's get out of here. Not so fast, Homer. Wait until they've gone down the hall. But, Henry, I've got to get to my next class. Quiet. Open the door easy. I'm going to. You must be stuck. Let me try it. Henry, this is all your fault. Don't get panicky, Homer. We'll get it open. How? It's locked. You're crazy. Why would anybody lock a door in broad daylight? All we have to do is throw ourselves against it. Okay. One, two, three. Don't you stand there, Homer. Help me up. I guess they locked it all right. You mean we're locked in and I can't get to solid geometry? Well, at least they didn't see us, Homer. But, Henry, I'm weak in geometry as it is. Well, well, all we have to do is climb out that window. But what good will that do? We're way up on the third floor. Homer, stop arguing. Give me that book and let's go. Nancy, could you take these keys down to the main office, please? Yes, Miss Watson. And Nancy, if you're quite sure you won't let this book interfere with your studies anymore, you may have it. Yes, Miss Watson. I'm sorry you let Henry Aldrich have it. After all, he has much more important things to attend to than Rita's revenge. Yes, Miss Watson. He's a very nice boy, Nancy. At least he has his good points. But I do wish you'd become more interested in someone who takes things just a bit more seriously than Henry does. Yes, Miss Watson. Be careful, Homer. Do you want to knock me off this fire escape? Well, gee whiz, Henry, we have to get out of here somehow. Don't you realize this fire escape goes right past all the second floor classrooms? It never goes below the second floor? Well, keep quiet, Henry. Suppose somebody should see us out here. Let's close the window. Now, quiet now, Henry. Be quiet. That's it. Make all the noise you can. All we have to do now is go up the fire escape to the roof. And then I suppose we just jump off. It's bound to lead to something, Homer. Come on. Have you got Nancy's book? Sure. Here, take it. Is my letter in it? I don't know. Hey, Homer. What? This isn't Nancy's book. She was, this is Miss Watson's report book. Her report book? What made you think my letter would be inside this? You said blue, so I grabbed blue. <laughs> but you should have looked, Homer. Boy, if we get caught with this, we could even, we could even be expelled. Just for having a report book? Sure. Well, you can be the one that takes it back, Henry. All we have to do is open the window and... Be sure no one's in there, Henry. No one's in there. <clears throat> she whiz. Lift, Henry. I am lifting, Homer. Move back so I can get some leverage. What's the matter, Henry? Are you weak? Oh, gee whiz, maybe I do need... Wouldn't you think I could at least open a window when it's an emergency? Boy, you're really in a fix. You've got Miss Watson's reports and Nancy's got your measurements. Sure. (laughs) Probably by this time, Nancy's read the whole thing. Come on, Homer, we've got to get off this fire escape. Boys! Boys, what are you doing up there? 
Who is it, Henry? What are you doing up there? It's Mr. Bradley. He's down in the courtyard. Boy! Why, we're just trying to open a window, Mr. Bradley. Don't you know the rules about going out on the fire escape? Are there any special rules, Mr. Bradley? What are your names? Henry. Aldridge. Oh. Homer. Brown. Oh. Henry and Homer. Aldridge and Brown? Huh. Yes, sir. Open out all that fire escape and report to my office at once. Yes, sir. How would you like to have us get there, Mr. Bradley? Any way you can. <laughs> The only trouble is, Mr. Bradley. What's that? Nothing. We'll get down. And how long have you been a student in this school, young man? About three years, Mr. Bradley. And this other young man? About three and a half, Mr. Bradley. But that was on account of the mumps right on top of the measles. I see. And you both know those fire escapes were placed there for emergency use only? Well, the fact is, Mr. Bradley... It wasn't was... enough that you were out on a fire escape. You climbed in a window and broke right into the middle of Professor Vanderhoff's French class. Well, you see, Mr. Bradley, it was the only way we could get off the fire escape. Professor Vanderhoff's window was open and... Homer, we... must you lean on my desk? No, sir, excuse me. I thought you were through with us. I don't know whatever gave you that impression. Excuse me, but can I interrupt you, Mr. Bradley? You're Bill Turner, aren't you? Uh, yes, I'm the one that carried three men over our goal Saturday. And what were you sent in here for? Well, I suppose I shouldn't have been reading this book during study hour, Mr. Bradley. What's the title? Rita's Revenge. <laughs> Rita's Revenge. I see. <clears throat> Henry. Yes, Mr. Bradley? What do you think of a boy who would spend his time reading a book like that? Well, I guess it's pretty bad, Mr. Bradley. That's what I say. I see. Do you know what I think all three of you boys need? No, sir. Suppose you wait here, all of you, while I step out and get your record. Yes, sir. Bill, where did you get that book? From Nancy. And what business is it of yours? Listen, Bill, could I borrow it a second? Nancy's book? All I want to do is take it for just one second. What for? I just want to... Well, I just want to... Can't you even let me look at it? Keep your hands off. Hey, let me have that. Keep away, do you hear me? Hey, Henry, look at what fell out of it. There's your letter right in the floor. Gee whiz. Bill Turner, you take your foot off that. You make me. You hear me? Take your foot off that letter. Henry, somebody's coming. I don't care. Mr. Bradley, Miss Watson asked me. Henry. Hello, Nancy. Close the door. Let go my leg, Aldrich. You lift your leg. Do you hear me? Lift it. Boy, stop it. <laughs> lift his leg, Henry. I need more leverage. It's twisting my head. Yes? Bill Turner, you stop that. Darn you, Bill. There. Henry. Gee, Henry, you knocked him out. Oh, boy. You lifted him right off the floor. Hey, what happened? He's all right, Henry. Pick him up before Mr. Bradley comes in. Come on, Homer. Let's lift him out of the couch. Listen, Aldrich, what did you hit me with? I just used my bare hands. Good night, Nancy. Now then, young man. Turner, did anyone invite you to lie down on that couch? <laughs> no, Mr. Bradley. I'll help him up, Mr. Bradley. Don't you think he can get up himself? Well, I'm up. Well, young lady? Oh, uh, Miss Watson asked me to bring her keys down here. I'll take them in one moment. Turner, 
Here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend a part of each lunch hour for the next ten days picking up the papers in the corridors of this building. (laughs) On all three floors? On all three floors. And as for... How... How did Miss Watson's report book get here on my desk? On your desk, Mr. Bradley? Nancy, would you see that she gets it back? Yes, sir. Now then, Aldrich and Brown. Yes, Mr. Bradley? Yes, Mr. Bradley? I am sending you to the gym instructor. He needs a couple of huskies like you two to help him move the steel lockers. Move them? Yes. (laughs) Aren't there quite a few, Mr. Bradley? There are 350. It will take every afternoon for the next two weeks. Gee whiz! That's all right, Homer. You heard what Mr. Bradley said. They need a couple of huskies like you and me. Aldrich, what's that you're tearing up? Nothing. It's just sort of a letter I've decided I won't need anymore. A radar network to detect the approach of planes can't do the entire job of protecting our country from a devastating surprise air attack. That's up to us as individual citizens. Right now, the Air Defense Command needs 300,000 more volunteers for its ground observer corps. Both men and women from teenage up can contribute a few hours of their time each week and perform a valuable service to our country. Write upon your nearest Civil Defense Center a right to Ground Observer Corps, Air Force, Washington, 25, D.C. Well, gee. Well, gee. Harry Aldrich, look at that window. That's what I mean, Nancy. No matter what I touch these days, it crumbles right in my hands. The Aldrich Family is written by Clifford Goldsmith. Henry is played by Bobby Ellis and Homer by Johnny Fiedler. Mr. and Mrs. Aldrich are House Jameson and Catherine Roth. Your announcer is Dick Dudley. Listen again next week, same time, same station, for another sparkling half hour with The Aldrich Family. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Lights Out, followed by Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.